0: Welcome to StudentoftheBible.com. I'm your host, Renee, and I'm a Bible student. I'm glad you are too. Thank you so much for joining. Pray for discernment and ask God to show you how you can share this information with others and be a blessing. Welcome to my podcast on the Sea of Galilee. I want to give a shout out to my husband, Jeff, for suggesting the topic of this podcast. As we study the Bible, I think it's really valuable to know something about the geography and the history of where the story takes place, to kind of help put the stories into context. I had the privilege of being in many of the places mentioned in the Bible, and when I can, I try to share this with you through pictures and stories. The Sea of Galilee was one of those amazing places we visited during our 2020 visit to Israel. As you'll see in this podcast, the Sea of Galilee is a key location during all of Jesus's ministry. During our visit, we stayed a few nights in a beautiful hotel called the Magdala, and that was in Tiberias, Israel, on the northwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And we witnessed the sunrise over the water so many mornings, and it was glorious. And I couldn't help but think, how many times did Jesus and his disciples witness that same glorious view? As part of our trip, we sailed on a sailboat on the Sea of Galilee. And it was constructed in a similar fashion to the boats of Jesus' day. We dipped our toes in the cool water. And we marveled at the fact that, yeah, we were touching water that Jesus and Peter walked on. The body of water in Israel is featured prominently both in the Old and the New Testament, and I think it's a wonderful topic for today's podcast. Now, the Sea of Galilee is actually known by many different names. The Sea of Galilee, Lake Kinneret, Lake Tiberias, Kinneret, or Kinnereth, the lake even though we call it a sea, is a freshwater lake in Israel. Yeah, it's freshwater, but it is a bit salty because there's mineral deposits on the lake floor and there's a lot of evaporation. Interestingly, it's the lowest freshwater lake on Earth. 686 feet below sea level and the absolute lowest body of water in the world, also in Israel. That's the Dead Sea. And that's at 1380 feet below sea level. So the lake has a maximum depth of 141 feet, 33 miles of shoreline. So it's honestly kind of a small lake, but hugely important to the region. During the time of Jesus, there were three main regions that are mentioned in the New Testament. There's Judea in the south, Samaria in the middle, and then the region called Galilee in the north. Galilee has two parts, Upper Galilee and Lower Galilee. Upper Galilee, that's the mountainous region with mountains averaging about 4,000 feet. Lower Galilee has hills about 1,000 feet tall. Now, Lower Galilee is the area that skirts the Sea of Galilee. And there's a very fertile plain called the Estralon and the Valley of Megiddo. These are in Lower Galilee. The main cities in Galilee, they're going to be familiar to you. Nazareth, Cana, Capernaum, and then to the north, Caesarea Philippi. And that was the subject of my last podcast. Caesarea Philippi is the site where Peter made the statement that Jesus is the Christ and Jesus made the statement that upon this rock, Peter, I will start my church. The Sea of Galilee, as you may have guessed, got its name from the province of Galilee on its western border. Now I have a map of the lake on my website studentofthebible.com so you can see where these ancient cities were located. At the Sea of Galilee's northwestern point is a beautiful and fertile plain called Gennesaret. G-E-N-N-E-S-A-R-E-T. And that's also how the lake got its name, Lake of Gennesaret. I know it can get confusing when reading the Gospels because the writers refer to the same body of water as Gennesaret, Tiberius and the Sea of Galilee. Just know it's one and the same lake. And to make it a bit more confusing, they talk about it in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, it's called the Sea of Chenareth, C-H-I-N-N-E-R-E-T-H, or Chenneroth. They're all the Sea of Galilee. You see, the lake changed names based on the prominent city on its shore. As the cities changed their prominence, the lake changed its name. Most of Jesus' public life was spent in the area of this lake. The surrounding region around the lake during the time of Jesus was really the most densely populated region in all of Israel, so it kind of makes sense Jesus would spend most of his time here. In fact, there were nine very populous cities along the shores of the lake during the time of Jesus. The Sea of Galilee is 60 miles northeast of Jerusalem and 27 miles east of the Mediterranean Sea. So when you think of Jesus and his disciples walking from this region to Jerusalem, for example, you get some idea of distance. Now, the River Jordan is at the northern end of the lake and the Jordan passes through the lake at its southern end. As I've explained, this lake is very far below sea level. And almost all of its sides are surrounded by steep hills, some of them a thousand feet tall. So, the lake is really prone to crazy wind gusts and storms that sometimes seem to come out literally out of nowhere. And this small lake even has whitecaps. Now we met this wonderful woman who ran a local restaurant along the lake. and. She was telling us stories and she said that she swims in the lake every morning and I couldn't help but feel envious. She got to swim in the lake that Jesus walked on and the apostles fished on and hey, they may even occasionally have taken a dip there. Well, she shared with us the fact that the storms that come up on the lake are are a thing. They're violent and sudden and she had actually gotten caught off guard more than once and her story really brought to life the story of Jesus in the boat with the apostles when the storm came up suddenly. In fact, the calming of the storm is one of the miracles recounted in the three synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There's just something extraordinary about being able to see the places that the Gospel writers talk about, and then to hear stories corroborated by locals 2,000 years later. Our Jewish guide, Shimon, he explained that geologists believe that the lake is actually smaller than it was during the time of Jesus, maybe even a hundred feet higher on all sides during the time of Jesus they have erosion just like we do. Do people still fish on the lake? Yes they do. And most of the fishing is done at night just like it was 2,000 years ago. They catch about 27 different varieties of fish. But one of the main fish caught is tilapia. And they call it St. Peter's fish. Well. The nickname for the fish actually refers to the gospel story. And this is where the temple collectors come to Peter and they try to trick him and ask if Jesus pays the temple tax. So when Peter returns home, he talks to Jesus about this and Jesus says, Peter, go fishing. Go to the sea, cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you're going to find a coin. Take that and give it to them for you and me. I love that story. That's in Matthew 17, 24 through 27. And it's because of that story they call tilapia St. Peter's fish. Another surprising fish, or at least I think it's surprising, that they find in the Sea of Galilee is sardines. So this might seem weird to hear because I think it's weird, but today, People jet ski and water ski on this body of water, and it's kind of a touristy area. But I'm not going to lie. I was kind of bummed out to hear this because, hey, Jesus was on this lake 2,000 years ago. Show some respect, you know? Maybe you're wondering what the weather is like in this region of Israel. Because of its sheltered location, remember, this lake is surrounded by hills and its low elevation, The winters near the lake are actually really mild. The average temperature in January is 57 degrees Fahrenheit. So because of the mild temperatures, they grow bananas, dates, citrus fruit, and vegetables all around the lake. And the dates are amazing. The summers are hot, temperatures averaging around 88 degrees Fahrenheit. And the region around the lake gets about 15 inches of rain, but it falls in the form of brief, violent showers, kind of like our Arizona monsoon season. Most historians agree that as far as Holy Land sites are concerned, the Sea of Galilee actually has changed comparatively little since Jesus walked on its shores and recruited his first four fishermen as disciples. You know, choosing fishermen actually wasn't surprising because during the time of Jesus, that was the primary trade in this part of Israel. In fact, they believe there may have been around 230 boats who regularly fished on this lake. seems that Peter and Andrew had a lot of competition. Most of the fish that was caught on this lake 2,000 years ago would have been dried and exported all over the Roman Empire. It was a good business to be in. Well, here's an interesting fact. In 1986, during a severe drought, the water level on the lake really dropped and get this, they found the remains of an ancient fishing boat in the dry lake bed archaeologists determined it was old enough to have been on the water during the time of Jesus so they kind of dubbed it the Jesus boat and it's now on permanent display at a lakeside kibbutz how cool is that so Jesus made the fishing town of Capernaum the center of his ministry and so using its lake its boats and its shores That's how he spread his good news. Remember, he calmed a storm, he walked on water, probably even swam in the lake. The Gospel writer Matthew tells us that it was around this lake that Jesus actually began his public ministry, teaching in the synagogues and curing the sick. And near the Sea of Galilee is where Jesus chose his first four apostles. Peter, James, Andrew and John. So at the very beginning of Jesus's ministry, there's this great story in Luke chapter 5 verses 1 through 11. And it's Jesus's miracle of the great catch of fish. And Luke in the story actually calls it the Lake of Gennesaret. We know that's the Sea of Galilee. And he says that Jesus gets into a boat and he starts to preach from inside the boat. Kind of interesting. And he says Jesus sat down in the boat and started teaching a vast number of people who were on the shore. And so this is one of the early stories, and this is before Peter has been called to follow Jesus. So Luke says that Simon Peter um, had just spent the whole night fishing and he hadn't caught anything. Probably not in the best mood. So after Jesus has finished teaching, Luke says, Jesus turns to Simon in his boat and he says, Hey, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Peter's reply is typical of an experienced fisherman. And you can imagine there's even eye rolling. He's like, Master, we've toiled all night and we caught nothing. However, Peter quickly changes his tune because Luke says, Just then, a large school of fish appears alongside Peter's boat when Jesus says, let down your nets. And Bible says there were so many fish, it almost broke Peter's nets. This is a miracle of catching the fish really at the very beginning of Jesus's ministry. But in or near the Sea of Galilee, Jesus performs over 40 miracles. So you've heard of the Sermon on the Mount. It's believed to have been delivered on what they call the Mount of Beatitudes. And this Mount of Beatitudes, it's one of the small hills on the Sea of Galilee, on its northwestern shore between Capernaum and a place called Tabgha, T-A-B-G-H-A. Now, Tabgha is also the site where Jesus fed the 5,000. That's where he did it with the five loaves of bread and the two fish. Well, this story is poignant, gosh, for so many reasons. But viewing the lake in person, this story became poignant for another reason. Because I started to understand what the gospel writers said about the setting of this amazing story. So the feeding of the 5,000, this actually started with Jesus getting into a boat to be by himself, because he was mourning the loss of his cousin John the Baptist. He had just learned about John's beheading, and so the Gospel says that Jesus gets in the boat to just have some quiet time, and they say that the people followed him to the other shore because they were so anxious to be healed by him and to hear him speak. So as Jesus gets in the boat to find a solitary place, The people follow him on foot from the towns to the other side. And when you're at this lake, you can actually start to visualize, okay, that's possible. Also, it takes about two hours to get from one shore to the other shore, based on where this story took place. So it becomes reasonable. When Jesus arrived on the other shore, all the people were waiting for him, and the gospel writers say he took compassion on them and started to teach them. And then it's on this Tabga shore that Jesus performs that miracle of multiplying the five loaves and the two fish to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. So near this town of Tabga along the lake is where Jesus is believed to have taught that parable called the parable of the sower. And what's ironic or maybe logical is this area along the lake has fertile black soil, rocky ground, thorns, and thistles. Not by coincidence that Jesus used these elements in this parable. So as I've described, there are steep hills surrounding the lake. So the topography of this area It's actually made for great acoustics. This area is at the foot, at the Mount of Beatitudes, and actually, from an aerial view, it kind of looks like a Roman amphitheater. And so researchers have determined, yeah, as many as 7,000 people could hear someone speaking from a boat in this bay. And it's believed that that's actually what Jesus did. He stayed in the boat and spoke from the boat to the people who were hanging out on the hill. Okay, and this is a cool fact. People still today go to that area, get in a boat, and read the gospel account to people who sit on the shore. And they're amazed at how far their voice travels. Across the lake near a town called Kursi, K-U-R-S-I. This is where Jesus performed that wild miracle we call the miracle of the swine. This is where Jesus drove out the demons of the two men and placed them in the pigs. Yeah, that happened along the lake. It's along these shores that Jesus cooked his apostles breakfast after his resurrection. That's also near that town of Tabgha. Now, in this story, again, Jesus has risen from the dead and the apostles have been fishing all night and didn't catch anything. Oh, sounds familiar. (laughs) So, just after daybreak, they're coming in and Jesus appears and he tells them where to find a miraculous catch. When the apostles come ashore, they find the risen Jesus has cooked them breakfast. So, just a second, I wonder if Jesus was a good cook. Stop for a minute and think about the Son of God cooking breakfast for you. He really did come to serve, didn't he? So, we've recounted some of the miracles of the catch on the Sea of Galilee after a night of fruitless fishing and the fact that now this story occurs at the end of Jesus' ministry. What's fitting is that this lake started Jesus' ministry, and it's actually where the gospel writers say it ended. On at least three occasions, Jesus directed his disciples to meet him in Galilee after his resurrection. The Sea of Galilee is where Jesus felt at home. It was far from the Roman authorities and the hustle and bustle and hassle of politics. The Sea of Galilee is where Jesus grew up. It's where he chose his disciples. Jesus performed over 40 miracles near the lake. The sea was a place of comfort and it became the place of calling his disciples and completion of his time here on earth. It's in Upper Galilee that Matthew gave us the final command that Jesus left with his disciples. This is what we call the Great Commission. This is in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As you go about your summer vacation, perhaps spending time in nature, maybe even near a lake, remember who Jesus is. And remember his promise, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now go and be a blessing.